How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Luca Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin, and I am pleased to tell you that Julio Rodriguez is ours, and you can't have him. Now, granted, you are probably (laughs) a Mariners fan, too, so this is a collective joy, a collective celebration, something that we all get to enjoy and uh, delight in. Um, My goodness, I don't think we have had a day i would posit i think that this is the most exciting maybe not most exciting but the most important and most positive granted now we're recording this as the mariners game starts so we'll see how it happens but this is the most important day in mariners history um since felix's perfect um here to discuss that and all of the implications all of the nitty-gritty uh no kate tonight but we have evan james audio engineer um and grant bronston a longtime lookout landing uh writer as well as um one of the uh go-to people i would say the go-to person uh in terms of uh, breaking down the money of of baseball uh, for us on staff, um, and I, also I listed th- him as the contract conciliere in the notes. <laughs> I love contract conciliere. That is good. I'm seeing that now. Um, I will say this, and it's not his only qualification, but I don't know anyone who is more staggeringly dominant at out of the park baseball no matter what the settings are no matter what the uh situation so if you like the uh nitty-gritty and like like sort of understanding um how and why teams uh make deals the way that they do um we've we've got grant here to hopefully um help help clarify grant also wrote a piece before the season um or, or was it early in the season? I can't recall. No, it was uh, like the day before opening day or mm-hmm. on opening day. Or yes, something. part so of Julio Day. Part of Julio yeah. Day or the Julio Days, essentially. It, um, it needs an update. There will be an update coming in a, in yeah. a couple days here. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially looking at what would a Julio Rodriguez extension look like? And now we know, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Boy, do we know. <laughs> what do uh, we know? Great. Tell us what we know. Man, I mean, it, it's it's hard to know where to start. I think the first reaction I want to have, though, is just what an awesome day it is to be a Mariners fan. Uh, you've got a generational talent, a player that is just so incredibly fun to watch, whose joy is so infectious, who is you know clearly recognized throughout the game as this special, special player. And, and to know that we're going to be able to root for him for sure throughout the 2020s and most likely throughout much or maybe even all of the 2030s it is a, a staggering thing to say and you know previous generations have grown up on the legend of ken griffey jr and the legend of ichiro as we're obviously celebrating this weekend and, yeah. and it is true that both this generation and literally even the next generation is going to grow up watching julio rodriguez play baseball and that's no longer just a, a hope or a dream um, it's a little crazy to be saying this about a 21 year old, but it, it's the reality. He's going to be a Mariner for minimum eight, 
maybe 13, maybe 16 years. I'm still wrapping my mind around how exactly this works, but it's uh, it's pretty awesome to watch number 44 out there. It's really, I mean, deeply, deeply at its core exciting. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head of like, this will be, I think Zach Mason has mentioned it and, and we'll be writing something to this effect, but this is, we are now going to have the Julio Rodriguez generation. And, you know, that was always the hope. I mean, he's this fantastic player. You know, the team obviously is by no means in a shoe-in position. They have to actually, you know, handle business much more, uh, you know, with a little bit more, I would say, acuity than they have in the past, you know, couple weeks. But they're in position to finally break the playoff drought. And... You know, ideally, they'll do that with a little bit more authority so that it feels a little better and a little bit less like, well, they just kind of lowered the standards. But, like, this team is in great position to be a playoff team this year, next year, the next several years. And most of that is because Julio Rodriguez is Julio Rodriguez. Um, And this is essentially this generation's Ken Griffey Jr., extension but instead of ken griffey jr signing i don't remember what it was it was a four-year five-year some something to that effect sort of extension um instead it's life it is lifetime it is or it very well could be lifetime you know julio is 21 in 2022 ken griffey jr was uh 21 in 1991 i believe um so you know if he if he had signed a deal that could take him 18 years into being a mariner that's his entire career it's he played you know until 2010 so i guess you'd have one one weird year but like and and granted right you know griffey had Mixed mixed experiences. I wouldn't say many people, you know, you know, the Mariners certainly didn't get the bad end of the stick in terms of that deal. But at the same time, like to know, I, I think in the in the age of free agency and player agency, which is something I love, to see players choose and and players have a deal provided for them that makes sense for them to choose. Yes, I'm going to stay with this franchise if things go well for most or all of my career because they are making it appropriate for me to do so. That rules. That is that like that's what I love. That is something I love more than anything about sports is like the opportunity for a sort of like when you think about the Seattle Mariners for the next 15 years. You're going to think about Julio Rodriguez. And odds are it's going to be a good thing. <laughs> that was beautiful, John. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving the optimism. <clears throat> I'm going to do something weird, which is I'm going to suggest, just for today, just for this weekend, for each year a weekend, that we we withdraw from the bigger picture and enjoy the honeymoon for a sec. Mm-hmm. Because what we've done is, like you said, this is for life. We have essentially married Julio Rodriguez and whatever his career entails for the future. And there will be incredible good times that come with that. And there will be struggles and change that come with it at some point. And what I want to feel today more than anything is optimism and celebration that we've done this because things will change. Julio, I remember very clearly when Russell Wilson won the Seahawks starting quarterback job over Matt Flynn that year and just like, how much it felt like the birth of something. And this year has felt like the birth of something, but it does change. And he is going to grow and be the face of not just the Mariners, but of baseball in the Northwest and theoretically of Seattle. He might be raising, he might be raising the 12th flag at Russell Wilson's inaugural <laughs> game as a member of the Broncos next week, which is freaking crazy. But um, yeah, just, just enjoy, enjoy this for what it is for now. There are a lot of questions that we're going to answer during this podcast. There's a lot we're going to dig into, but like, you know, John, you wanted us to kick this off with how we feel. Grant feels good. You feel good. I feel ecstatic. This is a celebration. This is this is a moment to recognize how significant this is, right? Mm-hmm. Going forward. And and that is in the short term, like you said. 
um, in the long term. But for now, I'm really I'm really excited to dig into the short term and talk about this team, watch this game, have this podcast because I'm really enjoying the playoff run too. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Um. Can I say one more thing? And I, I want to transition into Grant uh, and and you know maybe talking a little bit about the details of this deal. Um, but one of the things that I love about this is we've had big deals and and I think it's very common for people to be pretty frustrated with big money contracts for players, right? It's pretty easy target. And, you know, I think we would be uh, pretty easy, <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty quick to note, Hey, someone's got to sign those contracts. And usually they, you know, I'd rather, you'd rather the players who are providing the entertainment, uh, get you know get some money than just someone pocket it. But um, one of the things that I love the most about this deal is how tied it is to if Julio plays well, he's gonna make a fuck ton of money. <laughs> and like the better he plays, the more he gets. Like that is in a in sports where it's, you know, this, it's meant to be a meritocracy, right? It is how you want a lot of deals, I think, to work out, right? If you want some level of security for players so, you know, that they can feel, um, you know, play their best. And then beyond that, right, you want your players to feel like, yeah, of course, he was a top five MVP candidate. Of course, he's getting some, you know, additional money. Like, because if, if Julio Rodriguez is playing well, there's never going to be, I think, a regret in this. Uh, do you think that's? Do you think that's fair to say? I think it's it's so hard because it's such a long deal. But I do that's think fair. that uh, from a team perspective, the amount that you've guaranteed a player that seems to be such a transcendent talent, uh, you know, assuming that injury does not sap him of his athleticism and his ability, sure. I think we're going to be pretty happy about this for a while to come. And I agree that the structure means that it uh, it guarantees Julio a truly life-changing amount of money while also giving him the opportunity to grow into a really you know, potentially record-breaking for all of sports contract. Um, so when we look at Julio's deal, the, there's sort of a couple groups to, of comparisons that I, I think are interesting here. One is comparing him to other sort of star level players or players who were, you know, expected to be star level players um, who had very little big league, you know, very little big league time, right? That's Ronald Acuna Jr. It's, you know, Wander Franco. It's Fernando Tatis, uh, Eloy Jimenez. Um, yeah. Player, players like that where, where it's, they, a team wants to lock up a player and the player wants some security because all they have is their signing bonus and a bunch of shitty minor league paychecks. So there's that group. And then there's what the Mariners have ever doled out as a team. This is, as a guarantee, $210 million, correct? Right? That's, that's, I'm, I'm knowing that, right? So that is a little less than the biggest deal that the, the Mariners have ever given out, which was uh, Robinson Cano, $240 million. But that's sort of the worst case scenario, right? Is that it ends up being $240 million for the player option that Julio could opt into if, you know, he gets repeatedly, you know, kneecapped by a, you know, person with a club. Um, and and just it, it can't can't run around in center field anymore. Um, the other comparisons here, really, I mean, there are not that many players who have signed deals of this magnitude and this sort of variety of possibility, right? No, there there are very few. I mean, there's no deal like this one. When you think about the years on this deal and the total money involved, I think the the most obvious comparison is Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, sure. Quite honestly, that is one example of where the team might wish they hadn't given him that contract, uh, given how yeah. the 2022 <laughs> calendar year has gone for him. Um, I, 
I think putting aside the risk of giving a 21 or 22-year-old that amount of money and, and how that affects things, Tatis uh, is on a 14-year deal that basically gives him, you know, reasonable uh, amounts that you'd expect from arbitration, more or less, uh, for the first six years of the deal, and then a couple years at $25 million, and then a bunch of years at $36 million. And the Julio deal not approach that level of guarantee. The, the Tatis deal is $340 million over 14 years. The Julio deal, if he's not that good or if he doesn't end up being, you know, the superlative player that he is, it's only $210 million guarantee. And I, I say only, obviously that's still an obscene amount of money, but we've kind of transcended that thought and are just looking at the numbers here. Um, so it's a, it is a re, it is a large contract by any measure. But for 12 years, for a player that th- that's that young, it's a super reasonable bet. And like you said, if he ends up being the place think Tatis had been and, and will be, uh, then Rodriguez gets paid like it and uh, still and, and could make you know more money than uh, honestly any player in in all of baseball has ever received or any player in professional sports has ever received. Um, if he ends up becoming the multiple time MVP that that some think he could be. Um, the, the other angle on Tatis, right, is like, on the one hand, yes, it's a risk because he's so young and because he's had rough start in terms of his, the mistakes he's made, but you also, you know, can look at it at the way of like, yeah, he's done all this. He's he's had really injury, injury, like injury, stupid injury and PEDs, and he's going to be 24 when he comes out of it. So like what, you know, the age that a lot of like prospects are when they're coming into the majors. So you have a lot of opportunity to sort of still get the best out of it. So, you know, similar to Julio, like even if you're riding some ups and downs, likely enough, you have a good chance of seeing him come out of it or adjust or, you know, get healthy, whatever, what have you. So um, that there's, certainly is good to say. There's multiple lives to this, to this contract, right? There's going to be, you know, th- this will encompass the Mariners current window and their next window of contention. Maybe it'll be the same window, but the cast will be different. Uh, that's the, you know, fly building the plane while you're flying it model. But regardless, you know, this is a piece you're now building around for, for a long time. Um. Is there anyone in Mariners history that this compares to? Because the easy, the, the initial thought is like Kikuchi. They did a deal, you know. Obviously, he's a, not the same caliber of player, not the not the same leverage, right? A, a, a full on free agent as opposed to a player the team had basically five years of control over. But um, you know, what, I mean, is there anyone? I mean, how does it compare to the Kikuchi deal? Is this sort of like, are we seeing them essentially expand on that precedent? Is there anyone else, you know, Ichiro, Felix, uh, I mean, Griffey even, um, you know, Kyle Seeger. The team has honestly got had a good precedent of extending its stars. Um, does this does this sort of harken back to anyone in, in, that you've looked at? No, I think uh, the, the short answer is no, but let's just like talk about what the deal is because i don't know if everybody has uh, yeah sorry i'm jumping ahead all this. Um, i'm, I'm so, jumping to dessert right so let's let's start julio rodriguez whether he signs it today or tomorrow within some number of hours or days we'll get a nice little 15 million dollar signing bonus so that's going to be Love a that. little a little fun way to to, to to close out his august and have a great labor day weekend um What's then guaranteed is he's got the years 2023 through 2028, where he's averaging uh, $15 million per year. Um, so it's going to be, you know, that's uh, what, 23 through 28, that's six years at $90 million. So including that signing bonus this year, that's seven years and $105 million. After that season is where things get complicated. Um, after that season, the Mariners will have a choice for a club option that they can pick up following the 2029 season. So 2029 is another 15 year, $15 million deal. So you can think of this as uh, there's an eight year, $120 million part of this contract. Um, 
After the 2028 season, the Mariners will have an option to pick up a deal that is either eight or 10 years long. And that contract will depend, will, will, will range from $200 million to, I believe, $350 million. Uh, those depend on uh, the MVP votes that Julio receives over those first eight years of the contract. So if he finishes in the top 10 of MVP votes a couple times, it'll go from 240 million guaranteed to or 200 million guaranteed to 240 million. If he gets there four times, it goes to 260 million. If he wins the MVP and gets top five once or top five three times, it goes to 280 million. So basically, if he's a perennial top five MVP candidate, it gets pretty high. If he wins two MVPs or if he gets to four top five finishes, so basically half of the years he's a top five MVP, it becomes a 10-year, $350 million option. All that is to say the Mariners could in, gosh, what is it, the year 2028, choose to guarantee Julio 2030 through 2037 or 2030 through 2039, or they could say we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're going to uh, take our take a chance and and let him hit free agency. At that point, Julio then gets his own option. He gets to add a five year deal that starts out at a ninety million guarantee and could become, I believe, up to about one hundred twenty five million, depending on the number of all stars and silver sluggers that he wins. Now we don't know exactly what that breakdown is, but. The minimum guarantee again there is an extra 90 million. So the total guarantee number comes from 120 over those first eight years and a five-year deal worth 90 million. So Julio is most likely going to be a Mariner for at least 13 total seasons in this deal, which is 12 seasons after this. There is a chance, a la Yusei Kikuchi, that he could opt out of the deal as well. Um, I would say it's not very high that the Mariners don't think he's worth that deal, but the, that he does think he would do better with that five-year, $90 million contract than free agency, and so, uh, or do better in free agency than that deal. So I think it's likely that one or the other picks it up. Right, because, I mean, the context of that, right, is either Julio is very good, and the Mariners obviously want to keep him. In addition to being very good, he's sort of the centerpiece of the organization. Or he's had a series of injuries or just generally poor performance and is you know in, in a state where the guaranteed money is the best he's going to do obviously we did see the least likely outcome for Yusei Kikuchi in that he was he had he turned you know the team turned down the option and he turned down the player option to ultimately correctly go sign a three-year 30 million guaranteed deal but i still think it's the least likely option as you said agreed and i think there there's probably some level of uh of discontent with the organization sorry evan go ahead oh i just wanted to just real quick summarize what you said because you threw a lot at us and i you're you're totally correct but in 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 a non-granular sense what you essentially said are there's three components to this this contract there's the the first couple years which is the first seven eight years which he's going to be here for there is a team option after that for another five years. And then there is a player option after that. So it's one contract, no, but it's not quite, not quite, not right? Quite, it's, not quite. It's, it's a, there's the first eight years. And then there is a decision point where the Mariners have to decide before his final year under contract, if they want to accept a team option on Julio and Julio can buy his play extend a baseline eight-year team option into a 10-year team option. So the longest that the deal could could be 18 years. Um, if the Mariners turn down, if the Mariners say, no, we don't want the team option, whatever it is, um, then Julio gets a, play op- a player option at that same time. So after eight years. Or, wait, is it at the end of his deal? No, it is after eight years. Okay. Um, Actually, you know so what, that, I think... I think uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's after the following year. So, so the team has to pick after 2028, which is, um, I guess, seven years. 
Depends on if you count this year or not. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, true. So after 2028, the team gets to pick, do we want to keep Julio for somewhere between eight to ten years, depending on who, how well Julio has played? Which is to say how many like MVP finishes he's had or whatever. Um, or, or like top five MVP finishes. Um, the more he has, the more years and money he gets guaranteed. If they say yes, bang, bang, boom. Julio's a Mariner for, you know, 14 to 16 to 18 years, whatever. Um, if they say no, then Julio plays one more year as a Mariner and, or I guess under a contract, under this contract, and then has a player option at the end of 2029, which is that um, five year, 90 million uh, deal that could still escalate based on his performance. Uh, in which case, if he turns that down, then he would be a free agent. So it is a team option first, and then if the team turns down that option, it's a player option. There's only one decision okay. point. Okay, so it's, it's, it's two deals, not three. It's two deals in one. Correct. Gotcha, gotcha. Correct. Okay, go ahead, Greg. So the player, option is super, that. the player option never comes up if the team takes the team option. So you, and, you can, you can yeah. tell from how often we've how much how much how many words we spent trying to explain. Yeah, it is genuinely <laughs> maybe the most complicated contract in in MLB history. Like, but it's sick. I, we get to nerd out over all of cool. this. Cool, yeah. Super and it's a creative. Cool. Sorry, Grant, you go ahead. No, no, it's it is super cool, right? Like we're all nerding out over this, and if your eyes are rolling over right now, then like you know, like I hope you tuned out after ten minutes of this podcast when we stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you know honestly this is gonna be it, it's a super fascinating deal and one of the reasons why we haven't seen deals like this is that the mlb the the, the cba that players uh play under actually expressly prohibits uh having any sort of incentives based on statistical achievements so right. the only incentives you can give players are based on playing time or uh, generally some level of incentives for uh, awards or recognition. So all-star, silver slugger, gold glove, MVP. But this is the first deal that's taken that to, I, I, well, I would say the Byron Buxton deal was a good example of a deal yeah, that really be uh, changed, the, the, where the monetary value is significantly changed if he plays well. Um, but that deal was a pretty straightforward seven years. It could be a lot more if he plays well. This is not just the amount of money changes, but the number of years on the deal could change. And that, and to have that combined with a multi-year, I mean, you know, again, an eight to 10 year team option is quite honestly, like, I, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic by saying that's unprecedented in sports history. Yeah. I mean, certainly there may be sports that we are unfamiliar with where this is how contracts work, but I, you know, it is... <laughs> I mean, in, like Quidditch. In, in, We're talking like Quidditch yeah, is the only thing yeah, I can yeah, think yeah. of. Like, no North uh, American professional sport would have a contract like this. Yeah, and I mean that is in part because the Mariners have to follow to some degree, you know, the, the precedent. And precedent here is, um, you know, what we've seen from a lot of you know, other teams, right? We've seen, um, you know, a lot of deals that involve uh, the White Sox, the Braves, you know, the Rays, a, a lot of teams, I mean, the Rays are not necessarily comparable there, but like a lot of teams have had, I think, more of a, um, you know, a lot of leverage, right? A lot of teams, a lot of players want to be on the Atlanta Braves because the a plurality, and I would say a majority of MLB players are from the southern United States or south of there, right? You know, Latin America or the general southern half of the U.S., right? There's just a good percentage of people who – Atlanta's a very good spot. It's They have been historically very competitive. They have, you know – a great tradition of, of players and they are a lot of people's favorite team growing up. Um, and it's geographically easy to get to for a lot of people. Seattle has very few of those advantages. The best they've got going for them, I would say is a lot of, you know, people's favorite player growing up, whether that was Ichiro or, 
um, Griffey or Felix. Um, you know, I guess some people, you know, A-Rod, I'm sure with some people, certainly it was one very important person who were ta- who we've been talking about this entire podcast. It was his favorite player growing up. Um, A-Rod was, you know, who, who Julio wanted to be like in terms of, you know, absolutely changing the game by how good he was at, at so many things um, and, and, you know, in ways that no one really had ever seen. But holy shit, I mean, it is incredibly cool. And it also sets a precedent for the rest of, you know, the league in terms of the the organization. Uh, Like we talked about to some degree with the Robbie Ray deal, this is, you know, a statement of, hey, the Mariners are serious. The Mariners are serious about contending they are serious about rewarding the players who you know are committed to them and to who are you know core to to what they want to be and are, are you know obviously i mean the the central julio it, it, we could not enumerate the number of ways in which julio is central to what the seattle mariners are trying to do um you know he he is what they point to for developing their prospects he is the you know he is influential in ways that like players his age rarely are within a league um so he's the protagonist he is it does feel Sorry, i mean i've, I've is, been watching tenant the past couple of days but <laughs> <laughs> um i mean it is it's, it's it is not like it does does feel to some degree like there is a degree, I mean, this is always dangerous because it's easy to feel that way to some sense of anyone and, and certainly in an, an, an analytical sense, it's it's very dangerous. But like there is a degree of inevitability, it feels like, with Julio of like, every, you know, at every turn, there's been some obstacle or some limitation that has been suggested. And then that was like, oh, well, then I'll just get fast or, oh, well, then I'll, you know, just start hitting the ball on, you know in the air a little more or, Oh, you know, well, I'll just become, uh, you know, the best center fielder on the team. Like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fine. You know, like this isn't a problem. I'll just do that. And then I'll continue playing well. And now they've got, yeah. Great. It Go is ahead. pretty insane that he just decided to be the fastest player in the major leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, and it's that level of, of pure athleticism and work ethic that I think yeah. gives the Mariners and specifically, you know, the Mariners ownership and John Stanton, who as any good business person should be, uh, is probably skeptical of giving any one person this long of a commitment. Um, after a short time in the major leagues, like I can understand being skeptical of that. But when you combine the success he's had with the uh, multiple data points of where his work ethic has clearly made a difference and where he's just, like you said, Evan, just decided to be the fastest player in major leagues and just decided to be a plus defensive center fielder and just decided to um, be the player that like other teams are excited to meet and that the other guys in the dugout look up to. Like those are all such impressive things that it gives you so much hope that this is not his ceiling, that he's not even close to it yet. And I'm I'm glad you brought up the business end of this and the risk because, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit more on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, It's never sunny in Seattle. There's my plug, but um, there is an element of risk to this. We've been comparing it to the Griff to Griffey and in the legacy that he already has to that of Ken Griffey jr. Already. And Ken Griffey jr. Didn't really work out when he got his big contract as we you know, it didn't happen here, but there is there is real risk to doing this, to, to giving this money to to investing like this into making any player this much of a centerpiece of your organization. And if I had to pick a single player in the major leagues to do it for, this is the guy, which is why I'm psyched about it. But it is I, I am I am talking out of both sides of my mouth. Because on the one side, I'm like, yeah, this is everything I want. And the other side, I'm like, oh, my God, we're in this deep. But. This is what we want. So, and that comes back to the honeymoon aspect of this to like, we can worry about what it's costing us and what, what that means in lost potential some other day. But for today, we're in a playoff hunt and we have the most exciting player in not just Major League Baseball, but potentially all of sports signed for life. 
Let's fucking go. <laughs> um, it is. I mean, also, again, like the scary, quote unquote, part of like all those contracts, right? Like the Griffey deal, the Cano deal, the, the you know, any of these. I mean, the feelers. So, you know, a lot of these deals, it's like we haven't in MLB has rarely, if ever, had precedent until the past few years of players signing extensions that are this long because there was such a you know priority of once free agency was a thing you gotta get to free agency right there were there weren't i don't know what the first like 10 year extension was but it wasn't that long ago because it was teams control a player as long as they want for forever and then kurt flood uh you know came along and and you know once free agency came into existence, it was like, oh, well, yeah, this is way better and you'll actually get paid. So this as like a way for players to, you know, essentially for the best of both worlds, quote unquote, of like a fan gets what they want. Well, a fan gets what they often want, which is getting to essentially have a player, you know, or players be like their franchise's guy and getting a player to be paid what they're worth quote unquote you know paid at a rate that like matches their production like this is relatively new there's not a ton of ton of uh precedent for this like uh you know extensions typically have been viewed as sort of a typically i would say typically a huge win for a player if they are this young or or sorry a huge win for the team if they're this young or you know like a star that like a team can't afford to lose and sometimes it works out but the player's older and so there's just a little more volatility in signing that player so that you have more cautionary tale type deals julio is going to be in most primarily the like ascendant part of his uh life in ter- you know just in terms of as as an athlete and as a player for most of this deal right that that's that is what's so unprecedented for the mariners earlier john you were pointing to to how teams tend to defer to precedent right they, they want to see that a deal has happened before and they will based off of comparable deals and and, yeah, and that's arbitration that's you know that's that's how the league is designed in most ways right us putting together a binder on a rod and saying you know here's the deals that we think are, are reasonable but also here's the player that we think this is um and so that's i think you know they tend to follow the leader and there hadn't been a leader in what a long deal looks like uh until recently and then a bunch of teams started doing it you saw it with acuna you saw it with tatis and uh now with julio the next precedent that's being set is this idea of a contract that flexes up an inordinate amount solely based off of MVP finishes because they can't do it off of war or home runs or any other statistical achievement. Um, and to me, that's the most fascinating wrinkle. The only deals I can think of that have a multi-year team opt-out are uh, there was a deal with Jake Arietta and the Phillies where the Phillies could opt out of, could basically add two extra years on to guarantee a third year uh, otherwise, Arietta could turn it into a player option. Or the Kikuchi deal, where after year three of the deal, uh, or maybe I think it was after year three, they could add four more years or Kikuchi could get a player option. And the uh, the fact that this is the third deal that has a multiple-year team option that I could find, and the first deal where the amount of money in that team option could be between 200 and $350 million. Wild. This is a... A deal that like is written now and will change dramatically in eight years. It's like there there is no comparison for it, and so it takes someone to be a little risky, and it takes someone to um to to take a bold stance. You know, I don't quite honestly. This is not a deal that a first year GM would sign. This is what you sign when you are creative. You've got a little bit of job security. You uh, feel like this is the player to sign it to, and your ownership is willing to do something a little different and. There aren't a lot of baseball teams that are run pretty conservatively uh, in general that have that combination of of people and at that moment. John, you also said something that I wanted to echo, which is that the generally the extensions are team friendly is how this is viewed. 
Um, and team extensions, generally, the idea is that you get lower than what a free agent market value would be for the same number of years. Um, but what what the Mariners have done and what happened with the Franco deal last year is similar, is that the team has bought out their entire early career where they were basically free. And that is kind of a, a change because a lot of times what you used to see, even as much as even as recently as like two, three years ago, is that teams weren't offering extensions until players were two, three years from free agency. That's not the case with Julio. Julio was a ways out and the team theoretically could have, you know, put the found money in the bank and said, well, he's under contract. He's going to play basic essentially for free, right? He made more at the home run derby than he was making this year, um, essentially for free for a while and put up, you know, 20 war for $0. And that's kind of been the paradigm. This, as well as the Franco deal is kind of is shifting the paradigm and teams offering to compensate players who are younger and less experienced and still technically, yes, get that, you know, the, a discount over what they would get strictly in the free agent market. And I'm sure Scott Boris is very angry somewhere tonight. Um, but this is, this is kind of good for everyone because it means that Julio, he, Julio was always going to get paid one way or another, but at least this way he's, he's getting paid today and getting real money today instead of having to wait until he's 26, like, you know, to get a major payday. Um, and I hope in the future, this is a thing we see for more and more players where they are getting their, not just their arbitration, but their, their very early rookie contract kind of status bought out because that is good for them. I, I fully agree. Cause it is, I mean, you know, the, the ways in which uh, this is valuable is, is, you know, for the player, you have security, you have freedom to, you know, you don't have to be like, ah, should I dive for that ball? I might get hurt. And, you know, I might miss that. Like, no, he, he can be fully himself knowing that he's okay. Right. He's, he's set. He can pursue, you know, you have that peace of mind. And obviously like all of these players are making a good amount of money, but it's not like, you know, it, again, like the, it is always like when, the, when playing baseball is your primary skill, and you suddenly can't play baseball anymore, you're not suddenly in good position to make a lot of money. So it is, you know, Kyle Lewis. Right. Right. I love Kyle. Sorry. Exactly. Right. It's like, you know, it's no one's fault, but it is like, that's, that's, that's what, you know, that's the type of thing that is why players, it is valuable and why player, you know, teams are able to get players to sign this ordeal. The trade-off is Julio more than any player, I think has the level of influence of like the team could not afford reputationally, I think to fail to retain him. They had done so much to essentially say, Hey, this is, this guy's the next, you know, the next star he's the he is the centerpiece of what everything that we're doing going forward and we're putting it on him and now they have put their money very much where their mouth is on this and that is awesome that that makes me excited and fired up that is the type of move where it's like okay you're seeing the organization try to win and try to be successful as much as you want them to win as a fan and as much as you see the players and coaches and whatnot trying to win um I can I just say something quick there? Uh please feel free to caveat this with the fact that I'm a hopeless optimist. But uh it's true the Mariners couldn't let Julio go, but they also had him under club control for five more seasons beyond this. So this yeah. wasn't going to be yeah. him leaving anytime soon. Right. So when you think about why does it make sense to sign him now, I think there's a chance that signing him now means that they want other people to sign with the Mariners. They want other yeah. players to know yeah. they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're backing him up as the guy that's going to be, you know, the guy for their franchise for a decade or two decades. And, um, you know, there were a couple questions about this on Twitter. One person asking uh, if this increases the chances of uh, players signing with the Mariners uh, in free agency. Um uh, Shout out to Mary Bowman for that question. Yes. Wonderful fan of the pod. And there was also somebody that uh, Joe Asmundson pointed out, like, should we be concerned on the other end that Stanton will close his checkbook after this and, you know, will stop future free agent signings because they're shelling out so much. And I think both are pretty valid, but 
me, the fact that you would lock him up so early indicates you want the couple extra years of players knowing that they're willing to shell out money for stars. And uh, that makes me think they're more likely to spend at this point. But, you know, I suppose we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens when rubber meets the road this fall. In in the scenario you just described, somebody wants to sign in Seattle and Jerry's like, dude, we're all out of money. We gave it to Julio. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Yeah. Teams have done worse, um, but I, I do think I'm I'm with you, Grant. You know, this is essentially the type of thing where you're uh, you're you're uh, what's the word? You are signaling. sending a message. You're 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 signaling. Thank you that to the league that we're serious. We mean you know this. We mean business, and we think this is going to um, you know be a reason to come here. Um, so no, I don't know that the Mariners are going to be uh, top of the top of the, you know, payroll charts, but I do think it is a more positive thing um, as opposed to, to any sort of concerns that I would have about them signing. Um, particularly because I, I don't know what the structure is necessarily, but I have to imagine it, um, you know, it, it essentially, Bends around. Uh, you know, I, I would bet that it is at least a little bit backloaded, right? I, I guess I don't know, but um, yeah, know. It, yeah. I guess we'll, we, we shall see. That. We shall yeah. see. Um, um, the the one thing I do want to call out that I I think is a little bit of a worrying trend here is how much money is dependent on the MVP votes and specifically the. Uh, impact that the baseball writers of america will now have on how much money julio makes and this is a a byproduct of the fact that they don't feel like they can construct uh they're not allowed to construct deals around statistical achievement as incentives so they have to do something other than statistics uh but i if i were a writer voting on an mvp award i would feel really uncomfortable knowing that my vote will help have a a role in how much money julio makes uh, or how much, how many years he'd be, you know, tied to the Mariners down the road. So that's that's why I don't I don't love that trend. I would not be surprised if this type of deal takes off in the next couple of years and then is quickly changed in the next CBA. Um, so we'll we'll see how that unfolds. But I, I do feel a little uncomfortable about how much power we're giving to writers who are trying to be objective and trying not to let those kinds of factors creep into their analysis. Yeah, the I know that the sort of a part of the like calculus there is not wanting teams to have sort of as much direct influence over the incentives, right? Of like if you tie it to statistical performance, then teams may be like, you know, especially if a team's not competing, then they could say, well, we don't want to play this guy. Um, you know, quite as often because they're close to their hitting their, you know, incentive for home runs or something. So I get that. But at the same time, it is like at, at a certain point, right? You have to have like a degree of regulation that is uh, quality enough to punish that because that is an easier and more straightforward, I suppose, way of doing these sorts of incentives. And it's and it's something that happens in other sports. Now, granted, most sports do have pretty tough union situations compared to baseball, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, 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 is, it is what it is in that regard. Um, are Should we ask the next question, the big question? Please. Can I, can I preface this? Here we go. Please. Here's here's the next question. The question that everyone wants to know. Who's next? Who do the Mariners pay next? There's, there's four names that come to mind to me, and I think three of them are far less likely than one. Uh, so the three names that you could think about that I don't think will be the next person are uh, Cal Raleigh, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby. Uh, to me, Cal, yeah. Cal is good, but... You're you're signing a catcher, which is already a little risky, and you're doing it off of what's been a pretty damn good you know, half to two thirds of a season, but not the full season. Um, also, so I, Scott Boris. Yeah. Oh, is is Boris his agent? Yeah. Boy. Yeah. There, <laughs> yeah. There's another risk. And to to your point, Evan, I don't know that Boris is mad so much as nervous because this 
changes how contracts are made and will be a lot more work for him. So we'll, we'll see how Boris and his clients react to this kind of contract. But I, I think both of those, I, I think that still means he's less likely to sign an extension. Um, and then both K Kirby and Gilbert, good pitchers. Kirby has been, you know, really excellent the last month or so. Gilbert has slipped a little, but has still been pretty dang good this year. To me, there's so much more risk in a long-term deal for a pitcher, and there's so much more risk in doing that deal throughout years where you already have them under control, that I would rather wait and see the price go up a little bit to know that you're not going to have a guy get Tommy John in year two and have that you know really change the trajectory of his career. Um, that all leads me to the number one guy on my list. I'm curious who you two would have, but I think Luis Castillo is the most likely extension candidate. Um I'm going to write something about this for the site probably next week at this point. But uh, when you're only a year away from free agency, when you've been excellent for years, when you have a great track record of being durable, there's it's hard to imagine a better combination of traits for a long-term extension for a pitcher. So my guess is that Castillo is, is the guy that's next. Um, I think if Winker had been hitting well this season, he might be next. But instead, I think there's a lot more question marks there. Um, I don't think there's anybody else that really comes to mind, but am I, am I missing anybody guys? Yeah. I think Ty France is someone who you could argue, but because of his age and, and circumstance, it's, it's not necessarily, um, as applicable. Um, I worry about especially, his sleepiness too. Right. His, his, his injury prone nature is, is challenging. Um, I think there is a case obviously in a lesser degree. And we did get a question about this um, regarding Mitch Hanniger, but it's, it's a very different type yeah. of extension, right? Um, I am still, I'm still very much in favor of a Mitch Hanniger extension. I'm also very much uh, of the belief that a Mitch Hanniger extension um would make sense and it certainly is not impacted financially by this sort of move. No, um, you were already right. planning around Julio in the outfield. Uh, the money should not, you know, this, this, even if the deal is not backloaded, this deal should not inhibit the Mariners from getting literally any player that they want. If they really want that player and think the contract is reasonable. So a Mitch Hanniger extension doesn't, the, the chances don't increase or decrease because of this deal. They should remain the same, which is, you think you want him in the team and can agree on a reasonable deal, then do it. And I think this team is a lot better with that consistent of a hitter in the lineup. In a, in a general sense, a lot of the questions we got are, how does this affect the Mariners signing other players? I think in, in terms of dollars, it doesn't affect anything. This is a good enough deal where it should not inhibit them spending in any way on any player if that's what they want to do. In terms of free agency saying, hey, come play with Julio, I'm sure sounds like a good deal to lots of people. Come play with Mike Trout was basically the pitch for Shohei Otani, and it hasn't worked out for him, but it seemed to be what he wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I, I would say if you're wondering what the dollars and cents make of this as far as the Mariners signing other players, it is not prohibitive in the slightest. This is relatively team friendly all things considered you know it's complicated as we as we spend 40 minutes talking about it, it's complicated um but it, it's not going to be in the way of anything i agree with you there evan I, I think it it should not affect anything and i truly hope it does not affect anything um but this amount of money you know should not change the mariners from being able or willing to add between 20 to 50 million annually to the payroll this year and like Again, it's not my money. It's easy to say, yeah, they should go spend more, increase the payroll, even without touching the luxury. The note that you, and you you mentioned this a little bit earlier as well, but like it, regarding things that will be valuable to the team in terms of this deal, yes, teams obviously and ownership groups are reticent to hand out big contracts to players in any context but teams and anyone you know business focused loves certainty right there is a you know at any time when you can lock in this is what you're going to be paying for this product for this um you know for this uh individual for this you know price or you know whatever it is 
that is a huge positive because then you have certainty and you can decide how to allocate the rest of your funds. So from a very business focused standpoint, like certainty about, all right, we're going to be paying Julio Rodriguez this much. We don't have to worry like in arbitration, he's going to make this much. And, you know, like obviously you can project that out, but like now you can plan a decade into the future to some degree um, around him. And realistically, you know, it's if they if he performs well, they will be able to plan another decade into the future and have him be a constant, and that is a huge positive. It's 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 quite a it's quite a deal. It's quite a, uh, an extension. I it's hard not to be excited, but uh, I I really really cannot wait to see the actual details because there's still some details we're missing. And uh, I really hope that in the, the press conference, they inevitably have to announce this deal. Someone does ask John Stanton, uh, how does this impact the ability to sign free agents? And we'll probably get a boiler speech, a boilerplate speech. I still want to, I want the question to be asked and I want to hear the boilerplate answer of it doesn't change anything. We're going to go win world series. Uh, so let's, let's hope that that's what we hear in the next couple days. Is there anything I suppose that, you think uh, this this might indicate uh, in terms of how the team might approach free agency. Obviously, I think we're we're all in agreement that signing Julio is more of a positive in terms of both their willingness to commit money, period, and also their you know sort of signaling to other teams or other players rather that they are willing to spend. But is there you know? Anything that this makes you consider in terms of their creativity, essentially, I mean, between the Kikuchi deal and this deal, inventing or pioneering, I think is the word we talked about in our in our pre in our uh, podcast prep, uh, you know, pioneering this sort of deal. You know, does it does it make you think of any players in particular that they might be well suited to pursue, or just any types of deals that they, that, that they might sign that? Uh, could potentially uh, follow this. Can I can I tee up a Grant response to that? Because I'm 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 dying to hear what Grant's going to say to that. But I have a preface, which is that I feel like what the Mariners have just done is they have divided their future very clearly into separate windows, and one of those windows is the immediate future. And you asked, what do I think maybe this changes? I think this maybe makes it more likely that they sign Mitch to a short term deal with some incentives because. They need pieces for the run that they're currently on, but there's also a pretty clear divide where they want to cut it off and move and build for something past that. So Grant, how do you think the Mariners get creative with with building for this window and then also figuring out how to transition that into the next where Julio is still going to be here because again, Julio is a Mariners for life and you can't have him. (laughs) Yeah, a couple thoughts. The first thing is it's so hard to know which players and more specifically which players agents will be comfortable with such a creative structure. Um, Some are probably going to be excited to work with DePoto on this kind of a deal. Uh, Some players probably will be a little more hesitant. I imagine it's made a lot easier with Julio because you don't have a very limited window of time in the offseason with which to negotiate. Instead, his agent and Jerry can have these conversations for what have probably been the last many number of months. Um, so I think it's it's hard to know specifically which players will be impacted. I think you're you're right, Evan, that there is a near-term window of contention. I'm curious to see the other piece that I think will signal what they might be willing to do in the near term is how front-loaded or back-loaded this deal is. I think if this deal is what you would expect, which is lower salaries earlier on, higher salaries later in, you know, again, this first eight-year window, let's call it, uh, that would mirror what you'd expect to see in a normal, you know, pre-ARB, ARB, free agent year structure. And it also would probably indicate more of a desire to add payroll in the next few years, in the near term. Uh, that doesn't mean that if it's more evenly distributed rather than backloaded, that doesn't mean they won't spend money in the next couple years or this offseason. Um, it just, to me, that would indicate there's more of a willingness later on and there's a little bit less of a willingness to add huge money right now. Um, for that reason, I would I think I would guess that's going to be a little backloaded, but I don't. I don't really know. It, it's it's hard hard to say again with the deal that's this uh, this creative and this different from anything else. So, you know, I, I think it increases the chance that they'll sign somebody in the in the near future. Um, but it's 
I'll be curious to see how they distribute the money. It definitely makes my initial hope is that it is somewhat front loaded, at least, especially because there's so little money that is actually committed right now, you know, like to anybody. They've got some contract certainty for Julio, obviously. They've got Munoz. They've got, I don't know, Evan White, like Marco. Like there's just not that many players who are cost, you know, Corey going to cost very much to pay so um it it makes me think obviously it'd be nice if they went out and spent that but like part of what people always complain about and i think is more an issue of ownership willingness but is you know a, a challenge is when a player is being paid a lot for the contract that they earned when they were younger and playing really well um, so I, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, it's maybe a little bit more evenly spread so that they can make the most of it. Yeah, I and I think one, one interesting point that is already in that favor is that he's apparently getting a $15 million signing bonus. Um, we, we don't like to think that the Mariners or any of our favorite pro sports teams, we don't like to think that their money is finite, right? We like to think that John Staten can always spend more money. And, you know, to some degree, he certainly can. The Mariners are presumably very profitable they're worth well over a billion perhaps in the multiple billions of dollars um but this is a business and at some level there's a limit at which they're not going to spend money and there's a, a spigot that gets turned off at some point so if we assume that then by giving 15 million dollars now especially after there not being anybody acquired at the deadline who would have greatly increased the payroll um it's a sign that they're willing to spend more now because they had room in the budget that will save money from future years where they can spend more money on other players. So to me, that that 15 million signing bonus is already a larger signing bonus than most players, you know, would get at this kind of a deal. Fernando Tatis got $10 million. Um, I'm not sure exactly what Acuna got, but I can't imagine it was more than 15 million. So perhaps that is is another sign of uh, a willingness to spend in the in the near term, uh, and we'll we'll see. Again, we're we still don't have all the details on this deal, but uh, I, I I do think that that is one example of them being willing to to spend money now. And I can't speak for everyone, but I myself have never deposited a fifteen million dollar signing bonus. <laughs> but I imagine, just hypothetically speaking, that it's very cool. You deposit that on like mobile deposit or even a direct deposit. I feel like you're missing out, right? Like you gotta you gotta take that one directly to the bank and and actually have that awesome moment of handing over maybe a normal size, maybe you just get a jumbo check for the hell of it. But like you gotta hand that to a bank teller somewhere. I was gonna say, do you think like I know a lot of players on the team have Venmo? Does like you know what does Julio like you know how is do I, are any players getting paid in Cash App? I pay my landlord in Venmo. And what is John Stanton if not Seattle's biggest landlord? Can you imagine um, a Venmo request to John Stanton for $15 million if you're Julio? <laughs> I can. The listen, if someone Venmo. has his, send me that QR code. I will <laughs> make the Venmo request. We'll see if he answers it. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in there. Closed mouth does not get fed, as they say. Who's the um, who's the Jaguars quarterback? Trevor Lawrence. He had a, yeah. a major portion. I want to say it was like five million dollars of his bonus oh, in God. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like this this kind of the new age app money crypto kind of is a thing that is getting rolled into new contracts. And just be grateful that our superstar hero is way too cool for any of that bullshit. <laughs> so, yeah, just straight. Cash. I'm gonna get angry comments about that. I'm sure of it. I'm yeah. sure of it. Listen, st- straight cash, homie. Um, all right, gang. Well, we're, I think, going to call it right there because, my goodness, what a what a day. What a, what a delightful, delightful day. Not just for, obviously, this year um, and, and what will hopefully be a Rookie of the Year winning uh, campaign for Julio, uh, but across the board i mean this is the right this is the a, an unequivocal i would say step in the right direction for julio uh who has a very good chance to be on that sort of as uh, as one of our you know question question asked ask you know in that sort of echelon final echelon of junior edgar jiro 
uh, Andrew Hathaway. This is, you know, mentioned Alvin Davis, but, you know, Felix, I would obviously put in there. I mean, Julio Rodriguez, the kid, the 21-year-old you're watching tonight against Shane Bieber, against, you know, former Cy Young winner or Cy Young caliber pitcher at least, is going to be that type of player is, you know, on the weekend where Ichiro is inducted into the Mariners Hall of Fame and has, you know, his sort of his his final moment in the sun here before he goes into Cooperstown. He, you, we are getting to watch the next player of that caliber um, lock in and, and maybe one day play longer than Edgar Martinez in a Mariners uniform. So... Thank you, Evan, uh, as always, for for talking things through. Grant, thank you for taking some time this evening to talk uh, about contracts and precedents and um, and, and what, this, what this may mean for the team. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, and uh, hopefully the Mariners can uh, springboard off of this to continue uh, trending towards a playoff drought that gets parched in a big way. Uh, Until next time, goodbye.